0: welcome to the hyper guy motivational podcast i have an amazing guest here today i was reaching out to her for a while she's extremely busy her name is amanda sparso thank you amanda for being here
1: of course thank you for having me
0: you're so inspirational i can't wait to go through your story but i have to ask you what were you doing yesterday
1: oh yesterday i was on set shooting just like a little. promo, a little concept of video, both for the studio space and then also this lighting company. Um, so yeah, it's really fun to get to go on as a dancer and model.
0: Well, I, I get to go over all the things you do. I, I rarely do I meet somebody your age that has done so much. Like I, when I see people like you, I go, man, I wish I had so much energy. So uh, Amanda is, is got her BFA in visual arts in 2018. She's a bachelor's in fine arts. She's an expert in computer-generated imagery, and her focus is on lighting, compositing, and development, which we'll get into. She's done work for Nickelodeon, Gossip Girls. We're going to go to all the different things you've done, but there's too many for me to go through right now. She's a professional dancer. She's a model. She's an artist. She's a mentor, which we're going to get into more later on. She's an adjunct professor. She's a TikTok and I an Instagram influencer, and... She's I mean this is just crazy as I'm going through her history I just I'm just like totally blown away. She she actually is the director of her own animated film Yen Fen which we're going to go into and talk about that story a little bit and how people can see it and it's won a lot of awards and and I've actually been blessed enough to watch it. It's really really amazing. So I don't even know where to begin because you've done so much. Is there anything I've missed, Amanda? I
1: don't think so. I think you covered the bulk of it. <laughs>
0: So Amanda, where were you born and raised?
1: Uh, well, I was born in Guangzhou, China when I was a baby, but then I was adopted from there at six months and then I pretty much grew up and was raised in Connecticut.
0: So tell me about like, tell me about like growing up in Connecticut and how did you know you were adopted? Like when did that like kind of form in your mind and and you can tell me kind of about your experiences growing up regarding yeah. that?
1: Well, I mean, being adopted was something that I was always aware of. I think my parents just had those conversations with me at a very young age. Um, So, yeah, I never had like a moment like later on, like in my life, where they're like, oh, guess what? You know, just something that I knew (laughs) in a very loving, very happy way.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So do you have any brothers and sisters?
1: I don't. I'm an only child.
0: So tell me about your relationship with your parents growing up. Like, tell me what you remember about growing up.
1: Uh, I was a fairly happy, very easy child. Um, yeah, like my mom to this day is still one of my best friends. We've always been so, so close. Um, my parents definitely kept me very busy as a kid, as you can still see through now. Um, so yeah, it was a good childhood.
0: Did you ever, did your parents ever tell you why they wanted to adopt somebody and specifically why they went to China to adopt somebody? Did they ever give you a reasoning why? Or has that that ever been a discussion that you had?
1: Um, we have had that discussion. Um, I think it's, like, a bit, like, a, a personal reason, like, to my family, but I think it was one of those things that just, um, you know, like, when you see something and you know that it's meant to be for you, kind of, like, you get, like, this message or, like, this intuitive feeling. It was kind of like that.
0: And then what kind of stuff did you do growing up? Like, I, I like I said, you've done a million things. You- <laughs> I, like I said, I don't even know where to begin, but when you were growing up, what are the kind of activities and stuff you were doing? Were you into school? Were you into sports? What did you like doing growing up?
1: Um, well, I started doing ballet when I was three. My mom enrolled me in dance classes. So I've been dancing since a very young age. Um, and it was funny because we actually recently had this conversation and I always joke. I was like, you unintentionally gave me the Asian starter pack. Because I did like dance, ballet, like all these extracurriculars at school. And she was like, well, it's not like I was intentionally trying to give you the Asian starter pack. It's just you were really bad at dance when you first started. So I had to find something that you'd be good at. <laughs> so she just kept putting me in different things. So from there, it was piano. And then I realized I liked being on stage. So we did a little bit of theater. I used to sing. I used to take voice lessons and be a part of choirs and stuff. I don't sing anymore. Um <laughs> And then I was always like um honors like straight A student, so very involved in academia.
0: Wow. So you've always been this gifted. So what were your kind of what kind of stuff did you do for fun growing up?
1: Um I really think it was dance, like just doing the intensives, doing workshops, because um a lot of my friends were there. So we would sign up together and that's kind of how I had a social life.
0: <laughs> and yeah. how um, how did you stay so focused? Because it just seems like you're so you've always man- It sounds like you've always managed a lot of things. Have you always just been super motivated? Has there ever been any points where, that you can remember when you were younger? Like, this is a struggle for me or what keeps you so driven?
1: Um, I mean, I think it was just a good work ethic and mindset that my parents instilled in me. But also, I think it was just an innate drive that I had. Um, like even when it came to grades my mom she would never really get mad at me she would just be like well like they're your grades like she would really make it so that I would want to care about it for myself and it worked because I did (laughs) Um, and then I think I just genuinely enjoyed having consistency and routine in my life even as a kid even if I didn't realize that that's what it was back then Um, I think yeah, just genuine passion for it. Like with piano, like having to make the time to practice almost every single day, at least and that also became routine, you know. <laughs>
0: and tell me about your parents, your relationship with your, your, your mom and dad. What was that relationship like for you and what did you cultivate from that relationship with them?
1: Um, yeah, like we've always just been really close, especially my mom and I. My mom and I spent a lot of time in the car together because she was always driving me from dance and then to another rehearsal and then to choir practice, something like that. So, like, we really always had a lot of time to talk and be together, whether I wanted to or not as a teenager.
0: (laughs) So, who were your role models growing up? Like, if you think back on it, like, you know, like, did you know what you wanted to do when you got older? Did you have any idea? It sounds like there's a real creative side of you. Dance has a lot to do with. You going into fine arts, obviously, right? But it's like kind of the technical side. So did you kind of know what you want to do when you're growing up?
1: Um, I had an idea. I mean, it's actually like a funny question that you asked, because I think just so many things have changed since I was in that phase of like trying to figure out my career and what I wanted to do. So yeah, when I was in high school, I genuinely thought that I wanted to be a professional dancer and I was training pre-professionally in ballet at the time over the summers. And then I was in a a college, uh, like a college prep high school. So they were very focused on applications and all that. So when my friends were going through the process, I was like, all right, let me just like look into a couple and see And then that's kind of where I found graphic design. I don't do graphic design, but I saw that side of it. And then that's what led me into computer animation and more so like the film CGI world. Um, So then I was like, well, I don't think that I'm going to be a professional ballerina. So I switched over to CGI. Yeah. So
0: so when you were in high school, you wanted to be a professional dancer. You wanted to go into ballet and be a professional dancer. At yeah. what point was it like your senior year you decided you know what i'm going to go into this this is what i you know doesn't i don't know if i really want to go into the ballet like what made you apply then for that
1: uh, well i think as a dancer it's a really rough career uh they don't get paid a lot and even if you are in the company uh you're traveling a lot for different shows or you go from one company to another to another tour you know, and I really wanted stability in my life and consistency. So I was like, I just don't think that that's the lifestyle for me.
0: Okay. So you went, did, what's, what colleges did you, did you apply to? Did you apply just to one school? Like, did you know where you wanted to go?
1: No, I didn't. It was, it was very new to me. I kind of just applied to a bunch of different art schools that I liked. Um, a few in the city, like I ended up going to SBA, but I also applied to FIT and pratt and then i applied to tufts and uh our institute of boston and then ringling
0: so did you so you ended up in new york yeah and then what made you choose new york did you just get into that one school what made you choose new york are you glad that you chose to go to new york
1: I am. I mean, I've always loved New York. My parents would bring me up here a lot. I mean, we lived in Connecticut, so just the train ride away. I would come here a lot. Even as a kid, we would take open classes at like Steps and BDC. So I grew up loving the city. When I was 16, I actually lived here for a summer when I was training pre-professionally at Kelsey Kirkland's Academy. So I had like a little bit of exposure to it early on, and it just always felt more like home to me it's funny because it's one of the most chaotic cities but a lot of people that I've talked to have lived here for a while are like I feel the most like at peace and at home when I land back in New York like versus being somewhere else
0: (laughs) so is that how you I was going to ask you that too I mean you you're in New York is it a place that you think you'll always be so you feel very much at home when you're in New York
1: I do. I mean, I've been here for almost 10 years, definitely gone through the journey of like being a student, you know, like navigating all of that. It can also be a very lonely city. And I did experience that in the beginning. But at least at this phase in my life, I'm very happy being here. And I would say it took me a long time to have all the friends and the lifestyle and everything that I do going on. So I'm happy here at the moment. I don't know if it'll be like here forever, you know, because I'm always open to where life will take me. But right now I know that I'm happy being here.
0: Amanda, I'd like to delve into that a little bit. When you were in college, did you feel as though, was there any point where you said you felt lonely? How did you get to the, how did you get through that point in your life? Because I think one of the things I love about this podcast is because you're so successful with just giving people the tools on how to get through those and navigate those yeah. spaces.
1: Um, learning how to enjoy your own company, um, just It's almost like practice. (laughs) Um, You just have to get comfortable with the uncomfortable, which is a lot easier said than done. But learning how to find the things that are going to make you feel good at the end of the day, with or without somebody. Uh, I think a lot of times when I feel like loneliness which is different than just like you know having that recognition that you're alone when I feel loneliness it's because I'm not giving that time to myself to take care of myself and do the things that I love because when I'm doing those things for myself like say like put on my favorite movie I cook like a really nice dinner for myself like whatever it is like I enjoy being with myself now but it was like learning how to kind of do those things for myself (laughs) that helped
0: And what was it like going, what was your journey like in college? Did you, I know that you have YouTube videos and you give back to students all the time talking about that experience and what was it like in college for you?
1: Um, I mean, college is a lot of work because we were producing our senior thesis film and I just felt like I was constantly in the labs pretty much all the time. (laughs) Um, I did take a gap year actually from college. I interned with Disney at their Disney college program. So <laughs> I did that for a little bit.
0: <laughs> how was, how, okay, so I, I have to go back because it's too much to go through <laughs> at one time here. So how was, okay, so what specifically did you study in college? And like, what was going to be your, what ended up being your focus or concentration?
1: Yeah, so I specifically went for a degree in 3D animation and visual effects. Uh, and then And within that, there's this huge pipeline of animation that I feel like a lot of people don't realize. It's about like seven different steps. Uh, But the one that I decided to focus on was more of the look dev and lighting side. So like that final image that you see.
0: And so what specifically do you do when 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 you do that in your job? What specifically are you doing on a film? Are you just looking at making sure that people see it clearly? Like, if you can explain to people like me that don't know about this, that we just wonder, all we see is wonderful films that you make. We don't get to see all the intricacies of it. Absolutely. I think
1: the best way to explain it is, I mean, obviously, we do everything computer generated and 3D programs. But if we were to just talk about the same pipeline with using practical materials, like say we're using clay, more traditional stop motion 2D things. um, So say you have your block of clay, and it's just like that gray, beige blob, and you mold something out of it, a character, a set, a prop, whatever it is, that would be the first phase, which is modeling. And then somebody would come in and they would add a rigging system to it so then you can move it. Someone would come in and texture, paint it, look at it, which is like part of my job is adding like the materials to make it look like, like if we're shading a bottle, I need to make it look like actual like plastic, have the label, stuff like that. So that's part of my job. Somebody else would come in and then animate that thing so that it now moves and then afterwards i go in and i put in all the lights to give it like that mood the tone the feel that you want to go for so same way for like portrait or uh, product photography you know you always have a lighting system around you and you can always play with the different colors to give different mood style whatever it is so that's kind of my job is to bring in all the lights
0: and then how was it i mean you got you took a gap here you went to how was that experience at disney was that pretty amazing and did were that was that in new york or did you go to la
1: Um, My experience at Disney was one of the best things that I ever did for myself. I think, again, it was one of those things that was just very aligned and very meant to be. It was funny because I took, yeah, I went to SBA and within like the first six weeks of the semester, I told my parents that I was leaving. (laughs) like I didn't tell them that I was applying for this internship the program like I just got accepted went through and it's like a three-phase process like I had to go through three different interviews and I didn't tell them anything the whole time I finally got my acceptance letter and then I was like hey by the way like I'm not gonna come back to SVA next semester I got accepted to Disney um yeah my mom cried like <laughs> So. I think she was so shocked. Like, because we went through so much work to get me into the school, to get into the city. And then she was like, What do you mean you're leaving? And I was like, Yeah, like it just wasn't meant for me at that time um and i think it was partly because i did have that background in theater and dance and everything and i was like i don't know if i love computer animation yet you know at least disney puts me in that realm of being able to still explore you know it's it's disney you know one of the biggest companies i would make really good connections down there the company name looks good on a resume so then i that's why i kind of ended up going for it
0: so where was it at? was this in l.a or just on the east coast
1: uh it was in florida it was in their oh, orlando okay. one
0: yeah, yeah the orlando one and how, so like, I, I know I don't want you to get too deep in the uh, too deep in the weeds because I, I know that there might probably be some privacy stuff, but did you get to work on a lot of projects, like upcoming projects for Disney?
1: Um, when I was down there, I was mainly performing more. So I used to sing. Um, I was in their candlelight choir show that they do around the holidays. So I did that. Um, but also just taking classes down there at Disney University. That's where I learned a lot about personal branding, marketing, uh, and their culture. Like, it was really great to learn from the leaders down there.
0: So they actually have a Disney university?
1: Yeah. <laughs> what
0: What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. What does that mean? What Do they teach all kinds of classes then? I there? mean, I
1: think Disney is really big on one, Walt's Legacy, teaching people about the culture of their company, um, but also just training people in like whatever backgrounds they want. And a lot of that time ends up being business related. For me, I just went for the personal branding and marketing side, but they do offer so many different courses.
0: Okay. So you decided to now, when you left the university, did they say they'll take you back? They knew what you went for, right? I assume the university was aware. So I'm probably it's- part of them Were was pretty excited that you got in there. I'm sure. Cause I'm sure it's very competitive to get in there. So you did this wonderful experience in Orlando. And then what happened then you said, I'm going to go back.
1: I ended up staying there for a whole year because my university, um, just because of the way that their class layout is set up, they're like you can't just like come back in the middle; like you have to like wait and then come back. So I extended my time with Disney, waited, and then went back to school.
0: <laughs> and then, how was that coming back? You were you more focused? Obviously, you it, that that going to Disney probably gave you some a, a really good foundation, and probably reinvigorated your to go back to school so you decided so your mom sure cried when you said you're going to go back to school so so you went ahead and you went back and then and then what was that like for you i guess that was your senior year did you have to go back for your senior year
1: i did this as a freshman i got actually so you have to be 18 to work for disney i got accepted when i was 17 um so i waited like a few months to start to go uh, after my birthday Yeah, no. My mom's always been really supportive of my journey. Like when I was at Disney, she saw how much fun I was having down there. Like my family loves Disney. Like we go so often, and she was like, "If you want to stay, like you won't have to go back to college. You won't have to have loans. Like you can do something down here." And I was like, "No, I want to have a bigger career for myself. Like I still want to go into film." So I went back.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you finished. So how was? So what was your experience like in college and did you know what you wanted to do afterwards? What was your senior project when you graduated?
1: Yeah, um, so I think having this experience really helped me because I do think that students, when you're only in that academia setting, it kind of creates like this little bubble for you and... then you get so much like self-comparison and like criticism of just the bubble that you're in and like having that experience of actually working professionally and being around so many other people I think that really helped me with a lot of things like one being able to put myself out there more it helped my communication skills um, and just being more open because I used to be very very shy and quiet. Uh, so my a lot of people were like oh like you're so much more like open now when I came back so that really helped me and just realizing like this is school and that's great but like the world outside of school is just so much bigger and like there's so many opportunities out there
0: Um, can I ask you a question I mean I just I always wanted is how do you handle the pressure when you're performing I mean do you feel pressure before you start you said that you became more outgoing when you first started performing with Disney. Were you nervous before you went out there, and then how do you get over those nerves? I guess, or, or or did you embrace it? I'm not sure, like how you handle that because, you know, you hear about performers and they seem like they've been doing it forever. I mean, are you nervous when you're out there?
1: Well, thinking back to my younger self, when you asked that question, absolutely. And I don't think that I had the tools or the knowledge to really handle those nerves properly. But if you're speaking to me today, I would say I think that nerves are a really good thing because it shows that you care. Like if you didn't have any type of nervousness or something before you go to perform or put yourself out there, because um, it's your vulnerability that you're showing at the end of the day. And if you didn't have any nerves or just show that you kind of didn't care. So I like to think that nerves equal that you care. Um, uh, Something that I use is kind of based in NLP technique is where you can shift that voice in your head of instead of being like, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. I'm going to mess up. Like, what if uh, I forget this or what if I do this wrong? You know, instead of telling myself all those things, I tell myself the opposite. And I'm like, I'm so excited to get to dance for people today. I'm so excited to get to share my story today. And I really try to get myself in a more positive mindset. Um, because in NLP we teach like just as much as you can think of the worst case scenario in your brain, your brain is also capable of thinking the best case. So why not, you know, why not expand that energy thinking more positively? Um, but also just practice, and then it's a skill set, you know, performing in front of people, being on camera. You know, we don't wake up looking at a mirror and just being like, "Okay, go," or like standing in front of camera with like eyes on us. So it's just something that you work on over time. I
0: and when I was watching one of your YouTube videos, I really liked one of the things that you said on there. You, a student asked you, you know, and I and I can tell that you've had some um, failures at some points or disappointments and. In your professional side, just getting into the career, and I and I really appreciate um, some of the things that you said to the students. Don't uh, don't allow those disappointments to 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 push you off your path that you want. Can you can you talk more about that a little bit about when you had some of those disappointments when you first entered the career and how you kind of broke through those things? Yeah,
1: I think it's just trusting. In your own path, and knowing that when something's meant for you, it will be for you. I mean, at least that's what I choose to believe for myself. But in the beginning, it was so hard, you know, in anything, especially as freelance, especially as an artist, where you just want to get that first opportunity and your foot in the door, and you're really like grasping at any opportunity that comes your way. And when I look back on that, I remember one in particular that was just super like disappointing for me that I didn't get. And now I'm like, oh, well, it wasn't meant to be like that company ended up closing the year later. So I would have lost my job anyway down the road. Um, And then I had all these other amazing opportunities that came in. Sometimes you just have to give yourself a little bit more time and space to grow those opportunities to allow them to enter your life. Um, But, yeah, I just like to think of it like that.
0: (laughs) So how did you put yourself out there, Amanda? So you have your degree in, in, you know, It's CGI. How do you find jobs in that field? Did you just, did you you just start going on LinkedIn? What did you do to put yourself out there to get yourself out there? And I'm going to talk, start talking about your dancing and your modeling too, and all the other stuff that you're doing too, because I know you started with the CGI part and it's kind of grown from there. How did you do this?
1: Um, well, I was lucky. One of the biggest benefits that I think everyone will say about going to SBA is it gives you the connections. All of your teachers have to be working professionals within the industry. And obviously their name is really big. So all the studios know them. So like I will say like I did have that. But at the end of the day, it comes down to your own work and your discipline and how you can represent yourself. Um, so I would just say networking was probably my biggest skill going into it, like making those connections, showing my face at different workshops, different mixers that they would have and being like, hey, I'm here. Like my name's Amanda. Like that literally got me like one of my first long term jobs is just showing my face at places. Um, but I would say it was a lot of work. And I think a lot of students that I mentor now, I've really tried to shift their mindset that it's not just luck. I mean there are so many things that have to line up for you to actually get that booking. Um, even if a studio wants you, it has to be like the time, the budget, you know, your schedule availability, all of that. Um, but it also just comes down to how hard you're working. Like you have to be updating your LinkedIn. You have to be updating your demo reel, making sure that if your portfolio isn't quite there yet, it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. It just means you need to make a few more projects to show that you have those skill sets for a company. And then doing a lot of networking and outreach. Like some people will be like, oh, I emailed like two companies the other day. And I'm like, well, you should email like 20 companies. You should email 50 companies. Like I had a whole spreadsheet that would have the name of the company. It would have the direct um, connections that I had there. And I would write like their emails when I last emailed them. So I would not like, you know, annoy people, but also be on top of like when I could email them again. And it's like, That's the thing is like just putting in that work. So it's not a matter sometimes of like not being good enough or whatever. It's like, are you actually doing that work? And I feel like a lot of people kind of miss that part.
0: Was it difficult? Like sometimes you said you emailed all these different companies and some people probably didn't get back to you or some people say, uh, you know, not at this time. How did you deal with that rejection? And I'm sure the first couple of times it's like, oh, my God. But how did you like get through that?
1: Um, you just keep going until you do get that one yes. And I think that's something as disappointing as those times were. That's something that I always had in the back of my head was a million doors can close. You, All you need is one to say yes. <laughs> and it, it's true, you know. Um, But it's funny because there were some companies that didn't email me back. And then literally a year later, they would follow up with me on the same thread that I sent them one year ago that they never answered. So like, but then I use that as a story to like tell my students, like, hey, like, if you email someone and you don't get a response, it's not that they didn't like you it's not that they're not, you're not good enough. Like, sometimes people just have an oversight, they forget to respond, but they can still keep your information. And they will remember you like, don't take it personally, you know?
0: so what was your your first job that you got
1: my first job was an internship at a studio called nice shoes um they were a company in new york i don't know if they're around anymore um but it was kind of a funny story because i got a concussion that summer that i had the internship and then i couldn't work the internship <laughs> How'd so
0: how did you get a concussion that's another the question
1: that's uh, just, <laughs> that's just a weird fun fact about me i used to pass out a lot when i was younger um it was actually uh the, the way that the doctor explained it to me was in terms of like a computer system because you know that i did computer animation he's like yeah you're basically like a computer you know like when they overheat or when they have like something wrong with them and it just tells the system to shut down like that's your body <laughs> it's like, okay so yeah, when I was younger, I used to pass out a lot. Um, I don't anymore. He said I would grow out of it. I did, thankfully. Um, but yeah, it was just like out. I think it was I was moving into a new apartment the day before. And then the next day, I think it just like caught up to me and it was so hot, and I just passed out and hit my head on the concrete really hard.
0: <laughs> oh my God. That's so scary. <laughs> it's just so scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, so so you got so you got your first job and then and then when so you started to get your your business started to grow and you started doing personal freelancing. And did you start, um, then you started doing stuff. I, like I said, you have a pretty long resume uh, working with Nickelodeon and doing the gossip girl stuff. And did it kind of yeah. just start growing out of that, that everybody's, I guess the word started getting around about this amazing woman named Amanda. Is that kind of how it grew? Yeah. I think like
1: anything, like once you get one, project out there just keeping that ball rolling and showing people that you're working that you're eager to work no matter what skill level you're at um and then maintaining those connections like even if i was booked on a job all those other emails that i was sending out for outreach they would like reach out to me and i'd be like oh well i'm currently booked right now but like i i really hope that we can align in the future to work together you know always keeping those connections open
0: and then how did this grow into so now you're doing you're you're a model uh you're an actor you're a professional dancer how did this how did you start branching off into all these other different careers
1: (laughs) um i mean i think i'm just i've always been a very multi-passionate person obviously with my background as a kid and dance piano singing theater and all of that Um, I love computer animation because it gave me so much. I do love Disney film, cinematography, and all of that. And it gave me this steady career to create this lifestyle for myself. But then when COVID hit, I had so much downtime because nothing was filming. So when nothing's filming, we didn't have any work to come in to do CGI or VFX on. Um, So I started just exploring other things for myself. I was also just in this weird phase of my life where I was like okay I need to figure out like what's gonna make me happy (laughs) um and that's when I decided I was like I'm gonna go randomly like go to a dance class and heels which is the style that I primarily train in it's a fairly new technique within like the last 10 years or so um so I was like I've never gone to a heels class like let me try it and it again was one of those things that I felt just aligned in my life like I found some really great studios that happened to be right near me in this new apartment that I had just moved to at the time and then through that i found a lot of friends um and it was just what i needed in my life at that time and then i just became a very consistent thing that i trained in and then it just grew naturally over time i think as i got better
0: <laughs> so explain to me everybody for the audience that doesn't know they don't have any understanding of what dancing in heels is about
1: <laughs> yeah so heels dance it's not really it's more of like the type of shoe that we dance in right it's heels but it encompasses so many different types of dance it could be contemporary hip-hop jazz jazz funk afro um dance hall it's anything it's just that we happen to do it in a heel but i the most uh recognizable form of it is probably in like music videos or when artists go on tour like lizzo or beyonce you see their dancers they're usually always in heels you know like that kind of style
0: oh yeah and it's amazing because some of the dances that I've seen on your TikTok and uh, your your social media is amazing. You're such a great dancer. And it's it's funny because you went from ballet to a totally different kind of dancing, but but it's giving you that physicality so you can kind of do everything, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, every dancer will say ballet is the foundation for any style. Even hip hop dancers will take a ballet class, you know, because it gives you that foundation. Uh, And I think specifically for heels, ballet, having that background in ballet has really helped me.
0: What do you think is the most difficult or challenging part of being a professional dancer and model? Breaking into that industry is very difficult. What has been the most difficult challenge for you?
1: Uh, I think the most difficult challenge of being a performer artist is learning how to be okay with yourself and learning how, like, as... um, cliche as it sounds it's like you have to believe in yourself first if you want somebody else to believe in you and I do think that's the hardest step for a lot of artists because naturally we're so self-critical of ourselves we're always like being like oh that's wrong or I don't like that about myself and especially when you do spend a lot of time being on camera or being watched by people like being in front of a mirror for hours and hours a day you see all these things about yourself Um, And it's easy to kind of like nitpick those things apart. So then having to learn like to be okay with your body, to be okay with how you look and to believe in yourself so that other people will see that too, I think is one of the hardest first steps to take.
0: So you started, you directed your own uh, animation and it's uh, Yen Fen. So can you tell me a little bit about that movie and what, what was the concepts behind it?
1: Yeah, so Yen Fen was a story that I had in my mind for a while. I was playing with the idea of it actually when I started applying to colleges. So I was using it for my college application essays. And I got a really, like I got a lot of good feedback on it from people. They really love the story. But I was like, okay, just kind of put it in the back of my mind. And then when it came to doing thesis, I was like, I kind of want to pick that story back up again. Um, For me, it's really important. Like I grew up never seeing Asian animated characters never seeing an Asian female lead in a movie actually until Crazy Rich Asians was produced that was the first movie in two decades that had just a normal everyday storyline that encompassed an all Asian cast so that's like 20 years of my life that I walked around not ever seeing myself as being worthy on screen so when I had the opportunity to create a film in college I was like uh, my character is going to be Asian because I think we need more Asian animated characters. And then also adoption is part of my story and part of who I am. So I was like, I want to make a film for children like me to have that storyline to look up to when they're a kid. Um, so that's, pretty, that's why I chose to go more like fantasy, um, more like uplifting, heartwarming with it, because I wanted it to be a positive message and inspiration to kids to have something to look up to um but yeah it's basically a tale of adoption as seen through a child's eyes my parents flew to china to go get me but my story is like as if this baby is like going on this journey from china to the states with like this imaginary caretaker who happens to be a panda like they have fun together and all of that
0: how long did it take you to do that from conceptualization to actually making the film how long did that whole how long that whole process was it a couple years
1: it, it was about a couple of years. So we start the story and everything in our junior year. And that's actually the class that I'm teaching now is the junior. So it's a lot of like that pre-production phase of thesis. But I'd say that when I was a junior, like you're still very much just learning those skills, learning how to find your boys, learning your story. So a lot of what I did is like, even though I got all those like gears running, I ended up pretty much redoing the whole thing once senior year started just because naturally you grow as an artist and a person and you know you let things bake over time and then you're like okay i kind of want to change this about it whatever so the brunt of it was really from like september through the very end of march that i had to create this film
0: oh that's amazing and it's gotten so much uh, so many accolades if people want to see your film what's the best place for them to see it at the best
1: place was youtube but i have to check because i've been told by some people lately that they removed the sound off of my film, which makes no sense because i hired the composer to custom write a piece for my film so like, there's no way that i copyrighted it from someone else like <laughs> i bought this music it was the be- like this music is only used in my film ever um so yeah it used to be youtube but i have to check because if not it would be through my website <laughs>
0: And then uh, I got to ask you this last piece um, is um, you're a mentor. What does that mean being a mentor to you? And I know you're an adjunct professor as well. Um, and obviously because of all the wonderful things you're doing. So I don't know how you fit that into your time. And I don't want to take a ton of your time today because I know your time is really tight. Um, can you tell me about your mentorship program and why you became a
1: mentor? Yeah. Um, being a mentor has been one of the most fulfilling things in my life. I think when we would talk about like flow states or what gives you the most joy, it's definitely mentoring. Um, as many other things that I do with like dance and just uh, CG art and all of that, I tend to be really self-critical on that side. But mentoring and teaching is the one thing that I can confidently say, like, I know that I'm a good teacher and I know that I'm a good role model to these kids. So it just brings a lot of fulfillment to my life. Um, I wanted to start because I think, again, like I said, in college, it's very lonely being in the city. Also, you just have a lot of inner critic and a lot of things that you're navigating at that age. And I felt like I didn't really have the resources or the tools that I do now to manage anxiety, depression and all those things. So it's my way of giving back and being able to help people, you know, because a little can go a long way, you know, to help somebody out of a dark phase.
0: So I get to ask you these nice rapid-fire questions here, and then and then then we can, and then you can give out how they can get a hold of you. <laughs> um, okay. okay. I always ask these questions because I get to see a different side of you. Um, if you had to give advice, if the older self had to give advice to the younger self, what would it be?
1: To care about how I feel more. Oh, I don't know. That's the first one that came to my head today. I usually change that <laughs> answer every time I get asked it. But I think, you know, as somebody who is so giving and always wanting to help others and care about how others feel, I would tell myself to care a little bit more about how I feel because I definitely like would get hurt and just go through things that were unnecessary, not caring.
0: (laughs) If you can meet one person in in all of history, who would it be and what would you say to them?
1: Um... This is such a good question. (laughs) I always wanted to meet Jane Austen. I loved her literature. Uh, Pride and Prejudice was one of my favorite books. uh, So I think it'd be really great to sit down with her.
0: (laughs) And what would you say?
1: (laughs) Uh, I think that she's just a very opinionated woman, especially on the feminist side. So I would love to just hear her ideas about that.
0: Okay, favorite guilty pleasure food wise.
1: Mm. (laughs) I really like.
0: I know you're a fitness person, but you got there's some there's got to be something that you've eaten that's something that's bad for you that you eat.
1: (laughs) I like donuts. (laughs) There you go. See, got that out of you. Um,
0: If you could be a Marvel character, who would it be, and why?
1: I think of Marvel. Movies. I'm like the worst Marvel person. Groot?
0: <laughs> uh, oh I would give me Groot. I like Groot actually. <laughs> uh what's left on your bucket list?
1: Definitely traveling. I think that was the first thing that came to mind. I wanna see Italy and China and Paris, Just go everywhere.
0: <laughs> okay, and then um your favorite kind of music to dance to. Uh
1: I think performance vibes. I really like the high energy, like Beyonce, dance pop, stuff like that.
0: And then um, when you're no longer on this earth, what do you want to be remembered for? When they think about Amanda, what do you want, what do you want people to think of when they think of you?
1: Uh, (laughs) Somebody that, left an impact on their lives, whether that was through inspiration or just making them feel seen. I I don't know. I like helping people just see a side of themselves that maybe they didn't see or believe in at first.
0: Amanda, you're such a good, passionate, good person. The fact that, you know, I reached out to you and I'm just so um, grateful and uh, that you've responded, and that you wanted to, you know, give back to the community and be on the podcast. And I really, really appreciate you. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to follow you?
1: The best way to get a hold of me is probably through social media, which instagram works great you can send me a dm there it's just my name amanda underscore sparso s-p-a-r-s-o and then if you didn't want to go through that way if you wanted to learn more about my work and my mentorship services and all of that then you could go through my website which is also linked on my instagram um but it's just amandasparso.com
0: and then your youtube you can also go go to youtube and look up your film right
1: yes and then my film yen Fen, is on youtube
0: Amanda, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. I know you're extremely busy. Um, you know, you always have a friend here in California. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for being an inspiration. Thank you for being so passionate and happy. And and just keep doing amazing things. We're going to follow your career. And until next time, uh, join us for the next podcast. Keep learning. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, have a great one, everybody.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye.